You're listening to The CX Show, conversations on customer experience presented by SaleMove. Hi, I'm Jeffrey Mack, Director of Marketing at SaleMove, and welcome to The CX Show, SaleMove's podcast on customer experience. Today, our CEO, Dan McKaylee, speaks to Lynn Hunziker, the Chief Customer Officer at Clear Action Continuum, a provider of advisory and leadership enablement services to marketing and customer experience professionals. In this episode, we talk to Lynn about the necessary steps involved in enabling a change in the customer experience. We also discuss the importance of earning the customer's trust and ways to go about doing so. Finally, we'll dive into customer experience metrics that you can manage and see how they can enable businesses to move the needle for customer experience business results. So, without further ado, here's Dan and Lynn. Welcome to another episode of the CX Show. In each episode, we speak to a senior senior business leader whose role relates to customer experience, and we dive deep into specific projects or tactics that they've employed to improve CX. Today, our guest is Lynn Hunsaker. Lynn is the Chief Customer Officer at Clear Action Continuum a company that provides advisory and leadership enablement services to marketing and customer experience professionals. She is also a highly regarded thought leader in the customer experience industry. We're really excited to have her today. Welcome, Lynn. Thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for making the time. So can you please tell us a little a bit about Clear Action? I, I'm sure our listeners would love to learn more about what are your initiatives like and what's the focus for the company? Sure. Well, Clear Action Continuum is about centering your business on customers across their entire continuum of business with you. And so it's kind of about all hands on deck in terms of your upstream functional areas, uh, getting in synchronization with uh, what's important to customers. So we uh, provide a lot of ways for you to learn how to action insights from customers to uh, move the needle. Excellent. And and when you say, you know, I, I think that a lot of what you talk about on your website relates to customer centricity. Mm-hmm. And I would really like to dig in deeper into what that means to you, especially as it relates to the concept of CX enablement, right? How is it that that we can think about our initiatives as being customer centric? What does that mean to you? Well, I think that uh, we often do things in the name of uh, providing a great customer experience or being customer-centric. And yet, uh, if we stand back uh, from a customer's viewpoint, we may see that it may it might serve our own needs primarily and customers secondarily. Um, and so to be customer-centric and to drive the best results for, through customer experience management, we have to put the customer's shoes on and uh, approach everything we do that way. And we need to go beyond uh, skin-deep customer centricity um, such that it's, it's not just the customer-facing people who are paying attention, but we're providing insights from customers to every single process and department in the company and making that more of a context for how they do their jobs, not adding on uh, additional work. But um, we use budget uh, uh, parameters and also uh, people responsibility parameters for every manager, and that's just mm-hmm. par for the course. Customer experience is the third leg of that stool. And we, we haven't made that kind of uh, the 
the norm as decision-making parameter. But uh, when people are making their decisions, keeping in mind uh, budget, people, as well as customer experience ripple effect that they have on on uh, the customers, then uh, then we know that we're customer centric. And I, th- I think that's that's a really interesting way to look at it. But when we think about customer putting on the customer's shoes, right? I think that if we have direct contact with the customer at different levels of the organization, that tends to be easier. But how do you how do you ensure that folks across you know departments are thinking about how to put on the customers, how to really think from the customer's perspective, and 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 what are those parameters for decision making that allow them to 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 consider that perspective? Well, first of all, making uh, customer insights uh, interesting to every single functional area and showing them how it applies to them. Uh, so a lot of customer stories uh, injected in everything you, you can. So kind of wallpaper the, the employee's world with that, whether it be in the, the cafeteria, your inter, intranet uh in, in uh, vignettes in your uh, training courses um, as components of every agenda and in, in ops reviews and so forth. Um, it's, I, there are companies such as Amazon that do things like that, where they've injected uh, what, what's in it for the customer as criteria for all of their rituals and as uh, a, an opening to everything that they do together. And and are those are those types of tactics? I I think those are great, right? Thinking about how to infuse it in, in sort of every single aspect, so that it's so that it's not a not something that the teams have to necessarily think about. It's just pervasive, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. Yep, making it as natural as possible. So and, when and, I was at Applied Materials, yeah. uh, leading it, for example, um, I met with our. Uh, marketing communications people or various people in human resources over compensation and benefits and training and organizational development, people in, uh, you know, different parts of the company doing quality and such. And we would talk about uh, some of the recent insights we'd gotten from our customers and how that, how those insights might be uh, injected into their programs. And so that was a really important way to get the company to absorb it. That's great. Are there typical best practices? I mean, when you work with an organization and you start diagnosing what would be the best ways to include that, are there certain things that off the bat, like you talked about these vignettes and and, uh, components in employee training, for example, that you go for, you know, off the bat, low hanging fruit? Or is there typically, do you see it as more of a customized kind of uh, approach for each organization? Well, definitely to customize for each organization because uh, one of the keys to customer experience uh, success is weaving uh, customer insights and uh, and adoption opportunities into what you already have going on. So if you already have certain uh, processes like a recognition program, you have communications, meetings, and things like that, <clears throat> um, various reviews and uh and quarterly things, monthly things, you need to, to find those as hooks to mm-hmm. uh, to build this into. One of the fast ways, though, to get it rolling is to uh, set up a t- self-reporting team recognition program. So essentially, you uh, identify a few categories that customers would care about. And then you uh, allow teams, uh, whether they're gra- grassroots or uh, are more formal, 
to submit their progress toward uh, certain criteria. And uh, they could submit it in uh, some kind of online uh, form. And then Mm -hmm. that can be reviewed by a panel of uh, executives. And then the panel gives some constructive feedback on where they're at. And so when the teams have uh, hit a threshold of uh, a performance in in what they're trying to achieve, and they're showing some customer evidence of of, uh, that being appreciated, then uh, there's a wide variety of uh, recognition that you can give to the the teams. And that really elevates the message for all the other employees as to... uh, what we're sh- what we're shooting for, and what kind of behaviors and uh, and uh, achievements are appreciated by the company. Um, I found that to be one of the most impactful ways because customer experience is really about um, making things easy and nice for customers right the first time, rather than heroics. And most recognition programs mm-hmm. will kind of recognize individuals for heroics or kind of retroactively rather than proactively and as a team and uh, and toward very significant uh, achievements for customers. That's so true. I think that's really powerful because it makes it more achievable too, right? It, it, it makes it more tangible for the, for the average employee to say, I am making an impact towards customer experience with the work that I'm doing. I don't have to dazzle the customer. I can reduce the effort, make things easy. And, and that's also a huge part of how the customer experiences are offering. So equally as important, right? It is. And, you know, we, te- we need to be thinking more broadly about uh, what it means to move the needle for the customer because mm-hmm. every single uh, department in the company, whether they're in facilities, IT, safety, legal, whatever, uh, they all have uh, something that they can contribute to saving time for customers, saving money for customers. Um, maybe they feel like they're a little too far removed in some cases. And in those uh, situations, they certainly can save time and money and uh, and effort and stress for their own uh downstream partners. So whoever in the company or the agencies that that they engage with, making things uh, easier and nicer for them has a, a tone to it and a, a, I think a ripple effect, a snowball to actual uh, customer facing employees and the customers themselves. Yeah. And it, it automatically makes it cross functional as well, because forum or when you have this framework for people to submit their contributions towards the objectives, then people are learning from other departments and how they are doing it as well, right? It's really contagious and it's fabulous. Uh, I've managed that program for many years when I was at Applied Materials, and then I've done it for a number of companies since. So it's very powerful. That's excellent. And is that where the, the concept of the continuum comes from in Clear Action Continuum? Uh, maybe maybe I'm not uh, hitting it right on the head, but it seems like it creates that sort of continuum, doesn't it? Well, the word continuum is lovely because it has so many wonderful connotations. Uh, it's a continuum of effort. It's uh, it's contagious. It's also representing the end-to-end uh, customer life cycle and journey um, and uh, a look toward the future of what is needed uh, for um making sure we're providing excellent customer experience uh, 
not only now, but uh, for whatever changes are going to be happening in our uh, in our fields and the the ecosystems that we uh, operate in. So there are a lot of really wonderful things about the word continuum. Excellent. And I, just to switch gears here a bit, before we go into our featured project, I wanted to ask you um, some 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 practical thoughts for the listeners. If you had to name some of the lowest hanging fruit initiatives when it comes to CX enablement, and, and happy if you want to define CX enablement and what that means to you first, but I'd love to hear from you sort of what are those initiatives that we can pick as a, as a business where you say, I just want to get something started quickly. You know, I want to have some yep. quick wins. What can we do there? Right. Very simple. Um, customer experience enablement is a phrase that I coined, meaning that it's a bridge between the voice of the customer and the customer engagement efforts. Um, so normally in any kind of relationship, you ask somebody for their feedback or inputs on something. And then you want to make an ask of them, they're going to want you to connect the dots there. <laughs> you can't just take in information and sit on it and then ask them to, to do things for you. Um, so we need to be looking at customer experience management uh, in the analogy of uh, regular interpersonal relationships. And so to get your low-hanging fruit or to make things happen quickly, what you need to do is create a cross-functional workshop where uh, people look at the voice of the customer insights and in particular uh, pay attention to the comments the customers uh, gave uh, around the key drivers of, uh, of loyalty and get people to actually read some of these comments, uh, take 45 minutes and uh, discuss it uh, in terms of what are the key themes. And then I, I like to do uh, an exercise that seems to be um, – underutilized in our field, which is asking why five times for those for those key themes, why is the customer having that perception in terms of what we are doing and why are we doing that and why are we doing that and why are we doing that? So when you get to the fifth why, it's kind of like the, mm -hmm. the root of the dandelion. So you don't want that dandelion to sprout. And when it sprouts, uh, you know that it turns into seeds and then those seeds uh, spread. And that's a very good analogy for what happens in uh, poor customer experience, because we know that the uh, detractors or the uh, less than satisfied people uh, will tell a lot more people about the negative experience than the, than the positive uh, experience people will, will say things. So uh, getting down to the root of that dandelion with a cross-functional team has a huge advantage in that uh, you have the seasoned perspective of multiple of diverse uh, parties uh, sitting around the table together and they will zero in on that route more accurately than if you give somebody 30 days to go and uh, explore through databases and such, what are the root issues? Um, so within a couple of hours, you've got that and then you create an action plan to address the root issues, even if they're sacred cows. Um, I've, I've done this with some teams where they're really reluctant to address the fifth why. They thought, oh, my goodness, well, that's untouchable. Let's, let's do our action plan on the third why. I said this is always going to crop up unless you create at least uh, some talking points for this vice president and that vice president to, 
to discuss the sacred cow and <laughs> and mm-hmm. to uh, figure out you know what what might be doable uh, because unless we're thinking in terms of possibilities, these dandelions continually crop up and cost us a tremendous amount of money. So this uh, kind of a workshop not only honors the voice the customer's investment in uh, giving you feedback, but it uh, mm-hmm. increases cross functional. Um, and awareness and championing of, of the customer's uh, plight, as well as the action that comes out of it. And if you are really smart, you'll figure out a way to track the progress of that action plan using some kind of internal metric. So, for example, if people are, are complaining that you're not responsive enough, uh, you can measure responsiveness in terms of what customers say on the survey, or you can measure responsiveness in terms of what actually happened with the customer. We can also measure responsiveness in terms of your whatever steps you do inside, inside your process mm-hmm. uh, before it touches the customer. And if you're me- measuring it there, you will have a predictive indicator of what customers are going to, to think and say in the survey and then how their behavior is going to change and then the, the the financial results on that. I always say that we don't do enough of uh, internal metric tying to our um, external metrics for customer experience, and that's huge in moving the needle. Absolutely. So, root. So, identifying the root issues, uh, zeroing in on some objectives, then tracking with internal metrics. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the. Yep. That's really the objective of this cross-functional workshop. And yep. I, as as you were running through it, I think it's an an excellent idea to get started. Something that I think will benefit any organization, uh, not even even beyond CX, just in, in promoting collaboration, which is so important. But, uh, I, you know, when you when you think about this workshop, some questions that came to mind really quickly that I wanted to make sure that we sort of illuminate for our listeners. Is there a moderator for this type of workshop? Uh, what teams sort of participate? How big? How long? You know, does the exercise uh, a, a, a small part or large part of this, the five Y exercise, I guess just a little bit more color and how these typically look, I think would be helpful. Well, I found it best to give each uh, group in your company, um, at least every line of business and, uh, and uh, account team, their own cut of the data. So if you're giving each group the overall corporate results and then, um, their own cut of the data, there is less finger pointing and more ownership of what these insights are saying. Then you choose a a couple of key drivers of opportunities. Uh, So you usually do this correlation analysis uh, statistically with the data, and um, it gives you uh, two, uh, you know, several key drivers. Choose two and then uh, invite uh, people from various parts of of the business that interface with that. For example, if I'm talking to a certain line of business, uh, they usually have someone from HR dedicated to them, someone from finance, someone from legal. So those counterparts in the functional areas that that are are a normal part of their working uh, relationship, bring them in. And uh, so you want to have maybe a dozen, uh, two dozen uh, people in this workshop so that you can have uh, a couple of breakout groups, each focusing on one area. Uh, You want to take at least a half a day for this, um, possibly uh, six to eight hours, because uh, the teams need plenty of time to work through the five whys and, um, we found that it, it's really kind of fun and they, they get really engaged in it. Um, then you, you can uh, 
facilitate it the first time, I found that it's pretty easy for uh, a champion to pick up and uh, run either the second or the third time that you do it. So you can do these either uh, annually or uh, quarterly or, or semi-annually. And I would say I would pick actioning uh, and even voice of the customer uh, cadence based on how quickly things change in your market. And secondly, how quickly you can make change happen. Uh, so it doesn't really make sense to to ask customers for feedback unless things are changing in the market and or you're making change for customers to, to notice. Um, so I, I believe that uh, some of our technologies have masked all of this stuff. Um, they're marvelous technologies, and we just need to be managing them wisely. But we so often want to automate even these workshops. And, you know, sure, why not automate what you can? But there is really no substitute for people getting together and having a conversation and, and uh, really getting to the, the issues. You can't automate all of that. Um, and so I would say that uh, there's a real richness that comes from this. It's not very expensive to, to, to make this part of your system, um, make it something that people are, are, are looking forward to and expecting to do every year before the annual operating plans. You want to time it so that those, those insights and that energy can be uh, part of what you're, everybody's planning for the upcoming year. All kinds of little uh, tricks to, to get it part of your culture. Yeah, those are those are some great uh, tactical tips and, and great advice there, Lynn. Thank you so much for that. Um, in terms of so now shifting gears, I wanted to talk about our featured project for today, which is the the CX enablement work that you did with the Legion. So can you tell us a little bit about how you've you know implemented some of this stuff? And I guess let's start from the beginning. What were the what were Legion's objectives when they decided to work uh, when, when they decided to work with you? Yeah, so this is a client that I had uh, worked with even before they uh, became an independent company. They were a, a division of Ingersoll Rand, and um, the uh, the uh, in the new company they were very keen to uh, make a difference. They had a newfound uh, empowerment as an independent company, and so the president said, uh, "We would really like to." see how things are going to be different if we do a customer journey mapping. Uh, how can we put those insights to use in the company? So we set out to do just that. And um, in fact, in thinking about the methodology, we stepped back to imagine what a customer would want to to talk about what would a customer like to to see as the results from this? How would the uh, whole experience of participating be um, uh, preferable to customers? And so we um, looked at existing data to find some stories there. We um, focused our interviews with customers on what are the consequences to them. Uh, so when things go right, who cares? Uh, what do they care about? And um, what are the what's the upside? Uh, what's the downside for for when things go right or wrong? Um, so that was really a, an enriching um, exercise. Uh, the consequences to customers, I think, are um, are viewed most often in terms of the emotions that they have. But uh, you know, in a business to business situation, you need to. Um, take the emotions and the business uh, consequences 
um, hand in hand because, for example, if you have smaller businesses that um, don't have a lot of staff, they may they may need to rechannel people that um, were will otherwise be drumming up additional business, closing sales to address um, issues that are you know underway with with an existing order. So. Uh, and, it, it was just really illuminating to do it that way. And so we were looking for the story and the data the whole time. And rather than having the team uh, put the uh, the post-its up on the wall and, you know, create the journey map, uh, we wanted to create uh, the initial draft of the journey map, which then they could uh, modify. But most importantly, use the exercises in a cross-functional workshop, just like I've described. We had representatives from every single functional area there um, <clears throat> to do some small group breakouts and uh, and do empathy mapping. So they really got into uh, the customer's emotions and the consequences uh, stepping into their shoes. Uh, value stream mapping uh, tie-ins, because they had done that quite a lot. And uh, then how, how would we operationalize uh, the insights that we got from, from everything? So what was beautiful about that is you had people from HR, um, supplier management, mm-hmm. uh, legal, sales, and so forth, all in the same room, each with their takeaway. And they were aware of whatever was going on with customers, but they hadn't had the opportunity to come together and work through the actioning of it in this particular way, and specifically with the customer consequences as the overall lens. So, for example, in in most uh, quality improvement or process improvement efforts, companies will have a a frequency of occurrence multiplied by the cost of the, the issue, as a prioritization uh, framework, and that will identify what what gets worked on this month and what gets worked on next month and so forth. And uh, by having an overlay of you know first first criteria of what's the consequence to customers, it really um, provided a new lens on things that that shifted a lot of uh, a lot of what they had prioritized in in the past to a high, uh, to a different uh, ranking. And so uh, they were able to put some things uh, in place in the field pretty rapidly and mm-hmm. change some of their uh, policies and uh, communications to customers and internally. So it was a kind of a widespread uh, uh, set of actions that came from it because we had all of these functions there. One of the things that people said afterward, though, is that even though we had really great high-level representation, they they could envision an even richer opportunity to influence employees at large by having uh, some lower level uh, representatives right. from each of those functions. And even though it would be a large, larger meeting, uh, they felt like that would be really important next time. Absolutely. And and what are some of some of the you know concrete examples of? insights, you know, emotions, consequences, I guess, you know, what I would love to hear is if you don't mind sharing is when, what were some of the initiatives that were reprioritized based on this exercise specifically? What are the, some of those customer stories that you were taking and making actions for that became more important through this exercise with uh, Legion? Uh, 
Well, we uh, focused primarily on how do we simplify all of this data. And it, we had, you know, several pages of parking lot ideas that came up, you know, things that would be addressed later on. Uh, but to simplify um, in our analysis and the creation of the the, the initial draft uh, journey maps, we looked for um, some natural breakouts in customers' expectation sets. So the theory was that if customers have um, some kind of orientation at the outset of their journey, like what, what prompted them to contact you or what are they driving at? Are they trying to close a gap in, in their uh, regulatory um, <clears throat> situation or their, you know, risk management, um, you know, or was were they buying for more opportunistic reasons? Uh, were they trying to expand their business or seeing a real, uh, you know, positive uh, thing? We are that was our theory going into it that if someone is on the the uh, close a gap mentality, then they'll have a different flavoring to every step of the journey compared to someone who's more opportunistic in their their objective would have a different uh, flavoring and. Um, kind of range of acceptable performance across the journey map. And so uh, we found those two themes. And in fact, it was very gratifying to see that even though personas and segmentation are usually like uh, commercial, residential, um, education, institutional, uh, luxury, and so forth, that, that, that means you're catering to you know, so many different customer groups by just simplifying it to two overall expectation sets that transcended, but somewhat mm. uh, went along with some of those segments. Now you had something that you could make useful to the upstream functional areas. So if you're in legal, you need to make sure that um, you're, you're keeping uh, things in, in alignment with the first segment and the second segment. That's all you have to really care about. If you're in safety or facilities or engineering or manufacturing, your every decision that you're making is against the the the, the backdrop of those two uh, personas. And so, uh, you know, in the case where one trump needs to trump the other because you can't do two flavors or you can't uh, serve them both in, in the same time, well, then you know we knew which of those segments. Uh, would would win out because of uh, various business or customer lifetime value implications. So, um, you know, without getting too specific about about it at all, um, there were there were really these two themes that um, had a huge impact. And so, uh, like I said, they they made some uh, changes to the way that they were uh, being transparent with customers. Um, the way that they were more specific in in uh, the information they provided and then mm-hmm. uh, checks and balances for following through on that and things that they had in the field that would make uh, things run smoother for customers rather than having that kind of a lag between headquarters and uh, and wherever the customer happened to be. That's great. And just for context, and I'm sorry to backtrack here, I think we should probably also let our listeners know what Allegion is focused on, right? And yeah. and 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 what parts of the organization you were working with. I guess it seems like you were working across all of the different areas and lines of business, but maybe let's just give them a little bit of context there as well. So we we did this uh, specific to one of their lines of business, and um, they make a, a variety of things um, associated with security of buildings. 
So mm-hmm. they have doors, they have locks, they have, uh, you know, things like that, that uh, you might recognize certain brands like Schlage locks and Steelcraft doors and things like that. And so we were focusing on one of these divisions, but it had a ripple effect to other divisions because of the cross-functional represent- representatives, like the head of HR was there, the head of mm-hmm. marketing. And obviously, they took from that workshop um, implications for what they do across the entire business. That's fantastic. And, and would you mind repeating the two themes that you mentioned that they came away with? So now that we have that context again for the, for the audience? Well, one group of their customers was a critical cog in mm-hmm. uh, a bigger wheel. And so everything needed to be exact in timing, not two hours early or not two hours late. Or, right. you know, tell me tell me what time you're going to do something and then do it. Because otherwise, I've got union people, I've got weather, I've got, you know, all this st- stuff that has to be uh, stop-gapped. And that's very expensive. And uh, it, was, it was causing a whole domino effect of... Uh, consequences for customers that then were actually uh, kind of, they would, uh, you know, shoot you in the foot for, for other parts of what, what the business was trying to do. Um, the other group of uh, customers managed a wide variety of things. They weren't a critical cog in, a, in something bigger, but these uh, customers um, had so much on their plate that simplicity was really important to them. So uh, if you're going to introduce a new order management system, you're going to introduce uh, this or that, just keep it super simple because it's one of so many things on their plate. So with those two guiding principles, timeliness and uh, simplicity, it made it uh, made those kinds of personas actionable for every single functional area mm-hmm. and uh, incorporating that context into their day to day decision making. It's so true. And it seems like it seems like the, the sort of defining characteristic between the two was, in a way, a, a sort of tactical buyer, and then there's more of a strategic buyer, or mm-hmm. it seems, you know, kind of if you think about the critical cog, and then more of the 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 person that, or the, the organization that has a lot of different things on their plate in terms of this initiative. So mm-hmm. I like that. I and, and, and I think that in order to make it so cross functional, where you're able to guide initiatives from everything from legal to sales to HR, you know, I think it needs to be as simple as you made it, right? Which is these two broad groups. It it is. And from there, marketing and uh, service and whoever else needs to create uh, permutations of the personas, uh, go, go, go at it. Uh, But as far as the upstream functional areas, they need it super simple, like two or three at most overall personas and uh, then you can engage them to do things right the first time more often and reduce the burden on the customer-facing uh, staff and resources. And by so doing, you're actually creating an, an annuity of sorts for the company. Those funds that would be going into uh, those customer-facing uh, endeavors to shore up things that weren't in synchronization with customers, those funds uh, are, you know, they're they're claimed this this month, next month, next year. I mean, it's going to be an ongoing drain on the company if we don't change things. But by doing this type of workshop and this type of uh, customer experience enablement with the upstream functional areas, uh, you are able to <clears throat> nip, nip these things in the bud, uh, prevent that dandelion from, re, uh, uh, from re-emerging and take those funds 
that would have been going to to those issues and rechannel them into something higher value. So in essence, you're creating a gift that keeps on giving or an annuity for the company to uh, mm-hmm. enjoy. So interesting. And and so what were what were some outcomes that you can point to specifically with the Allegiant project? Well, um, they had a really high percentage of on-time delivery, and uh, you know they had really good uh, good track record in in the normal uh, industry industry uh, statistics. Um, but by making the changes that uh, came about with this, I believe that they were able to uh, improve that. Uh, even more. I mean, it, it, it seems funny if you already have 97 or 98% uh, performance on something, but here's the way, here's the way it, it changes is you look at um, those metrics from a little different angle. Uh, if there's a thousand orders a day and 97% of them are, are accurate, then that means that maybe 300 uh, or the 30 aren't, aren't, um, uh, aren't getting the attention that they need. And so you're looking at it from the customer's angle rather than industry norms angle, right? Could it hold a different dimension to ratchet up the performance beyond what they thought was possible? Right. It, it, it's through a different lens mm-hmm. in essence. Yeah. And so uh, accounts that uh, were at risk in certain uh, areas of the, the country or certain uh, uh segments of, of the market uh, because of these um, consequences that we uncovered. Uh, I believe that they were able to uh, turn those things around and hold on to a number of those accounts as well as spread their their uh, volume with with accounts um, and, and grow the business. I think it's great. And I think that the theme here that I really see is facilitating that cross-departmental fun- uh, collaboration is so key. And because that's really what allows you to to take words and make them into actions when it comes to these sorts of initiatives. It is. Uh, we like to be surgical in terms of well, what, what more could marketing do or what kind of thing could sales or service or customer success do to move NPS up uh, 10 points or something. Um, but as much as I applaud all of that, uh, it, it we really have to do the customer experience enablement if you want to have the big shifts that are sustained and that um, that also set you up as an insurance. Uh, uh, they're kind of an insurance policy against some of the uh, missteps that we see in the news, unfortunately, with uh, a, a couple of employees making an unfortunate decision that then uh, has a huge uh, impact on the whole public uh, relations for the company. For example, the United Airlines snafu and the Wells Fargo snafu from last year. So uh, those are companies that I highly admire, but uh, unfortunately they they had uh, some of the people in the whole ecosystem that weren't in tune with what's mm-hmm. best for customers and that it, the whole company suffered. And so you really have to have customer ex- experience enablement for all of these reasons. Right. Making it pervasive and widespread throughout the organization. Absolutely key. Um, that's really good insight, Lynn. Thank you so much for sharing uh, your experience with Allegion. So I want to move on to our lightning question for today. Uh, what does the future of customer experience look like to you? 
Well, the future of customer experience is where we're getting beyond uh, outside in, skin deep to uh, involve the other functional areas and uh, thinking about uh, the, the uh, requirements for people's succession and, um, and uh, bonuses and, and pay increases and so forth with a customer experience context. Like what, what was the customer um, impact that you had that qualifies you for that. So mm-hmm. I think that uh, the the more uh, forward-looking companies are going to adopt uh, that kind of thing. Uh, that will be the um, the big step that they take that sets them apart from their competitors uh, because it's those type of um, internal things that are at the heart of what gets people ahead or not that um, that make it part of your DNA. I think that we'll be looking at uh, people connecting the dots between different types of uh, customer inputs uh, much more, uh, finding stories in the data uh, mm-hmm. by involving uh, operations people, and uh, and then involving more cross-functional. I think that the 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 future of customer experience will be like that for the the leaders. And I yes. think that it will be a long path for the mainstream of uh, our our uh, you know society of companies to to adopt that. Um, I don't think that that's going to happen overnight or next year. But for the leaders, that's what these are the types of things they're going to do. So true. Making it front and center, making it widespread throughout the organization. I, I really enjoyed this conversation, Lynn, because it it felt very tactical. There was a lot in there that our, our listeners could take away from real practical tips. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. It was really incredibly interesting to hear about customer experience enablement and, and how important it is to provide, you know, uh, and constantly focus on uh, these this cross-departmental uh, collaboration that we've been talking about. So I really enjoyed our chat, and I, and I hope that I get to speak to you again very soon. Well, likewise, it's always fun to talk about my favorite topic. Thanks so much. (laughs) My pleasure. And to all of you out there listening, keep making moves. You've been listening to The CX Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe via iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. For more information on how SailMove enables the world's top companies to deliver the in-person customer experience online, please visit SailMove.com.